coming up on this episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. There are certain foods which can trigger a migraine. So is it the food that's doing it or is it something in the food or it's how the, the food is actually being metabolized? So that's a really uh, a key important feature is the, the connection between the gut, our food, and the brain. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Mark. Well, the holiday season fast approaching, I'm already starting to plan some meals with family and close friends who are part of my quarantine bubble. Uh, now to get ready for it, I like to plan my menus ahead of time so I can be sure that my pantry is fully stocked with all of my favorite nutrient-dense ingredients and products. Simple Mills is my go-to brand to make that happen. They make it easy to enjoy a healthy holiday menu without sacrificing taste. Simple Mills only uses whole food ingredients and they believe if you don't recognize an ingredient, your body won't either, which I totally agree with. I always say you shouldn't eat something with ingredients that you wouldn't keep in your own pantry and Simple Mills products all fit this criteria. Using ingredients handpicked to only include things that nourish you, they make everything from baking mixes to crackers to easy to grab bars. When I make my ideal holiday meal, I love having some fresh baked bread on the table. My favorite way to do that is using the artisan bread mix from Simple Mills because it's made from a base of almond flour and flaxseed with only four other ingredients. The bread mix is so unbelievably good and it's free of gluten, grains, corn, soy, and dairy. Imagine that. The Simple Mills Artisan Bread Mix takes just a few minutes to throw together and pop in the oven and it comes out with a perfect golden crust like the homemade bread I remember from my childhood. This one mix can easily make a traditional loaf, flatbed rolls, or even a pie crust. So it's one of those versatile pantry items that's super helpful to have on hand at this time of year. I especially love using it as a nutrient-dense base for my cinnamon apple pie with whipped coconut cream as a special holiday dessert. Right now, Simple Mills is offering Dr. Pharmacy listeners 20% off with the code HYMAN20. Just head over to simplemills.com and use the code HYMAN20 to try their artisan bread mix and other amazing products to stock up for the holidays. Food waste is one of our most glaring environmental, climate, and social problems. We actually waste around 40% of our food, which ends up in landfills and contributes to off-gassing. Meanwhile, we've wasted numerous resources like water and transportation to grow food that was never eaten, and hundreds of millions of people still suffer from hunger. This is a huge issue that really needs our attention. So if there's a new way we can reduce food waste, I'm all about it. I recently heard about a product called Appeal, which is doing amazing things to extend the shelf life of fruits and vegetables. Appeal is actually a family of plant-derived coatings that when applied to the outside of produce keeps it fresh two times longer. By maintaining moisture and reducing oxidation, Appeal supports the plant's natural abilities to protect against environmental stressors and creates an optimal microclimate inside every piece of produce. It also reduces reliance on refrigeration and makes produce easier to transport. All things that help us fight climate change and reduce food waste as a whole. Appeal is made of plant-derived materials that exist in the skins and peels and seeds of all the fruits and vegetables we already eat. So it's completely safe for us to eat and it's colorless, odorless, and tasteless on produce. And Appeal is also made from non-genetically modified ingredients. Right now, Appeal avocados, apples, and limes are already available at major U.S. markets, but it's been proven effective at improving the quality and shelf life of more than two dozen other types of fruits and vegetables 
so it's sure to become more common in the future. If you want to learn more about Appeal, check out their Frequently Asked Questions page at appealapeel.com slash FAQs. That's appeel.com slash FAQs. Now let's get back to this week's episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. Welcome to the Doctor's Pharmacy. I'm Dr. Mark Hyman. That's pharmacy with an F, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, a place for conversations that matter. And if you ever, ever had a headache, <laughs> you better listen up, especially if you had a migraine, because today we're having a special episode of the Doctor's Pharmacy called House Call with my colleague and friend, Dr. Todd Lapine, here at the Ultra Wellness Center in Lenox, Massachusetts. And we see so much migraines. Todd has been a colleague of mine for over 25 years, worked with me at Canyon Ranch, uh, now at the Ultra Wellness Center for 10 years. And we've just been uh, at the forefront of this whole movement of functional medicine. And I would say migraines are among the worst condition that people can suffer from. Mm -hmm. But from a functional medicine perspective, they're probably the easiest things to treat. (laughs) Wouldn't you say, Dr. Lapine? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So how do we think about this condition in traditional medicine? What, What is the normal approach to diagnosis and treatment and what's wrong with it? <laughs> well, I, you know, the interesting thing is, is I, when I look back, I can remember uh, when I was practicing mainstream medicine, I always looked at migraine, migraine patients. And there were so many different things that were offered by mainstream medicine for migraines. And it, it sort of uh, made me question, you know, like, there's no such thing as one migraine. There's so mm-hmm. many different flavors of migraine. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can have a patient who has you know, periodic migraines. You can have someone who's got menstrual migraines. So to me, that was telling me that migraines, there's a lot of pathways to developing what we call a migraine or another, you know, they also call it a vascular headache. And I found it really is an interesting uh, approach to know that each individual their presentation for migraine is unique. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, I, the interesting thing is I would never treat two migraine patients the same because they all have different features. So that, that's, that speaks to a very central idea in functional medicine, was, which is this. Just because you know the name of your disease, it doesn't mean you know what's wrong with you. Right? Absolutely. You have a migraine. That just describes people who have a certain type of headache with certain types of symptoms like light sensitivity, noise sensitivity, maybe on one side, maybe uh, visual pre-aura symptoms, nausea, vomiting. These are just the typical things. So, okay, you have a migraine. And then there's then we divide into classical migraine and this migraine. And they're all just different ways of describing the kind of migraine, but none of them tell you the cause. So functional medicine is about focusing on the cause, which is what you're talking about, these different flavors. And exactly. there may be up to like 29 different factors that can drive a migraine. And traditional medicine just uses a one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah. So what is the typical approach to treating migraines? Well, in mainstream medicine, it's really just basically a board of therapy. You know, you might take uh, Ad, uh, Advil or uh, Aleve or an Excedrin. Uh, you might take a triptan. Uh, you might take uh, an opioid. Like Imitrex or Imitrex, like yeah, that. Imitrex, exactly. Uh, or opioids in severe cases, uh, steroids uh, in other cases. So it's basically treated abortive therapy, which is that when you get an attack, you treat that attack. And for people who get them more uh, frequently, uh, it's about trying uh, preventive therapies. And they're all over the place. I, that was I, I found that actually quite interesting when I was looking at 
you know, how do neurologists approach migraines? You know, these headache neurology specialists. And they use everything. They throw everything in there. They, they'll throw in beta blockers. They'll throw in calcium channel blockers. These are to prevent migraines. To prevent migraines, exactly. So it's, it's a, so the preventive role is, is really important, I think, because when you look at someone who's suffering from migraines, I mean, people can lose a lot of work oh, over, over migraines. They debilitating. Can lose, oh, it's absolutely. And sometimes for some people, it might be two, three days or a whole week that's lost. They're just like, you know, they got to stay in bed and uh, turn, uh, turn the lights off and, and just, you know, wait till the whole, the whole episode passes. And uh, and then other uh, medications that are used in mainstream medicine are anti-seizure medications. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, it's uh, so antidepressants, so, seizure medications, blood pressure medications, calcium channel block, calcium, yeah. yeah, all the stuff that they're kind of throwing Anti antidepressants, anti tricyclic antidepressants, you, you name it. And, and, there's, and there's no way to actually figure it out. You sort of like it's like spaghetti on the wall. These doctors just try this, try that, try this, and I can't tell you how many patients I've seen who've been through the whole mill of these medications. And it might help a little. It might Botox. It. They, they're using Botox now. That's they're right. using botulinum. Toxin. Yeah, well, that's just for, to paralyze the muscles in the back of the head, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, um, and it's a terrible condition. I've I've had people who've had you know chronic daily migraines or you know twenty days a month, and it's oh. just it's just so awful for people, especially and, especially in women. Women are ten, tend to have a little more. I, I think uh, in general, women uh, I probably see more women with migraines than as opposed to men, and then women also get menstrual migraines which is another sort of flavor of migraines, which is mm. another, yeah, probably related to estrogen detoxification. Mm. Um, so it, it really is, it's, it's, and it's actually, it's, 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 it, it really keeps me on my toes in functional medicine when I see a migraine patient, because it's not like, oh, here's your problem, you know, just do this and it's fine. I've got to like play detective. I've got to figure out what are the factors that are driving uh, that person's unique presentation of their migraines. That's absolutely right, because what, what we do in traditional medicine is, okay, you have this type of headache, and I ask these questions, and it meets these criteria for what a migraine headache is, according to the you know, Neurological Society criteria. But once you make the diagnosis, there's no more thinking involved. It's like, okay, here's the cocktail of drugs I get to pick from. Yep. Let's start with these, try this, that doesn't work, we'll try this. And it's just like, a, it's kind of a yeah. uh, merry-go-round of drugs, and, and it often is, is so difficult for people to get better oh, yeah. because they're not asking the right questions. So in functional medicine, we don't just name and blame, which is what our mentor Sidney Baker talks. We name it, blame it, and tame it. You name the disease and uh, say, oh, you have a migraine. That's why your head hurts. No, that's not why your head hurts. That's just the name of why your head hurts. Yep. And then we try to tame it with a drug instead of actually figuring out the cause. So, so let's talk a little bit from a functional medicine perspective about what the causes are, and let's get into some cases, because I think we've both seen so many cases. It's one of the most satisfying things for me to, as a doctor to actually treat, because it's, it's so easy usually, and people do so, so well with simple approaches that root, deal with the root causes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So what, tell me what, what are the things that you think of when you're coming to see these patients that could be driving the, the, uh, the Migraines. Well, one of the things that I think is missed by a lot of mainstream doctors, even neurologists, is to understand the role that mitochondria play in migraines. Mm. Um, uh, so in interestingly, mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of the cell, they, they basically is where uh, our, our, when our body uh, consumes food, we produce energy from that food in the form of ATP. Mm. And mitochondria are not really tested by mainstream medicine. Um, they are not well understood. It's something that you learn about in uh, medical school and then you forget about it. And the interesting thing is that people who have migraines also have a higher incidence of seizures. 
Mm. And that's why, uh, to some degrees, anti-seizure medications can actually have efficacy in some patients who have migraines. Um, so there's a there's a real important to realize that connection uh, between mitochondrial dysfunction and migraines. Uh, the mitochondria make energy in your cells. So make energy in your cells. In fact, I've actually seen some patients, interestingly, who and, and I don't see uh, I don't uh, treat children, but I've seen some uh, adults when I go into their history, they had a history of what is called cyclic vomiting syndrome, mm. and so that's where a young kid is vomiting for no particular reason. And turns out cyclic vomiting syndrome is actually a mitochondrial uh, uh, problem. And as a person gets older, they sort of grow, outgrow that vomiting uh, uh, episodes, but they actually then present with migraines. And interestingly, the gut is connected to the brain. So a lot of people can have what we call abdominal migraines. Yes. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. This reminds me, Todd, I had a patient who struggled with headaches and migraines and she had terrible SIBO, which is overgrowth of bad bugs in your small intestine. Yeah. It was causing all this fermentation and creates these toxic byproducts that were clearly creating inflammation in the brain. And we treated her gut with antibiotics to cure migraine. But who would, who would have thought of that as exactly. a neurologist, right? Exactly. And, so, yeah. And, and it's also the other interesting, um, we're going to talk about that in one of the upcoming uh, episodes is on histamine, hmm. the role of histamine. And that's actually a very interesting thing when you look at histamine, because people who have SIBO, they actually have bacteria that are producing toxins, like you're talking about. And one of the problems is excess amounts of histamine. So normally our bacteria will degrade histamine and we have enzymes that do that. And there's all different, these different pathways. And when you look at some people who have migraine headaches, there are certain foods which can trigger a migraine. So is it the food that's doing it or is it something in the food or it's how the, the food is actually being metabolized? So that's a really uh, a key important feature is that the connection between the gut, our food and the brain. Yeah. I mean, it is, and it's such a big problem, Todd. You know, the, the amount of people with migraines, there's ten, over 10 million people oh. have migraines. Uh, it costs about $17 billion a year to society and healthcare costs just direct healthcare costs, that's medications, emergency room visits, hospitalizations, doctor visits, testing, and then even managing the side effects. Uh, and then and then the loss of productivity uh, to employers, because like you're saying, yeah. is oh, $15 billion, about half that's oh, huge due huge. to absenteeism, and the other half is due to just people being on the job, but not being at the job, but not on the job. You know, they're just sort of there, but not functioning. Absolutely. Uh, and so... You know, over the years of functional medicine, I, I've seen so many patients. And, and like you said before, there's so many different flavors. Uh, tell us about some of the other flavors because we went through the mitochondria. And let's just go to count down the list of what are the, the most common things. Because, you know, like there could be 29 things. But there's a, a few that are really common. Stress. That are really stress. Easy. Stress. Okay. Tell us about stress and migraine. So, 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 so stress by itself does not cause any diseases, but stress can turn the volume up on, on all different kinds of conditions. We see that in autoimmune conditions. Mm. So how our bodies respond to stress, and some people have, um, I would call it a genetic predisposition to be more stress resili resilient, mm. and some people don't. And some people are more prone to the effects of stress. And time after time, you know, you see these, these people who they'll go through a very stressful period and all of a sudden they get a full-blown migraine. Well, what, what is that? It's how, you know, what's going on there? And I think it is how that person perceives the world and how they detoxify their stress. Absol yeah. Absolutely. It's, yeah. And that's why, you know, beta blockers, which block adrenaline, which you yes, get high levels of stress, help, right. makes, makes a big difference. So things like yoga, meditation... 
Exactly. And then also Breathing sometimes when and sometimes when you when you have patients who have migraines and you measure their cortisol levels, they've got higher levels of cortisol. So that's telling you they're having some more chronic stress. And there's, you know, they sometimes will be type A where they're you know, sort of very, very driven, uh, th those kinds of things. So you mentioned gut issues a little bit earlier, and I think that's another big one and not just SIBO, but, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of symptoms that people get um, that could be related to leaky gut and food sensitivities, which seem to be a huge factor with migraines that are really yep. undiagnosed. We know traditionally that, oh, people say, say scient uh, scientists and doctors say, stay away from tyramine foods, those are things, cheeses, and foods that contain certain chemicals like MSG or yep. aspartame. So there, there are some recommendations, chocolate, yep. caffeine. There are doctors who do say some of these things, and that, that, that can be helpful for some patients. But it goes much deeper than that. There's like food sensitivities and gluten. So tell us about you know, how, that, how that works. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, uh, the connection between the gut and the brain is huge. And the, the leaky gut component, you oftentimes will see leaky gut in patients who have uh, increased uh, risk for, uh, for migraines. Um, it, it, there's, a, there's definitely a two-way communication that's going mm -hmm. on there. And uh, again, you know, uh, sleep is another thing that plays a huge role. So it, lack of sleep is is huge in migraines. So when you look at uh, when somebody comes to see me, you know, I ask them, How's your stress level? How are you sleeping? And what are you eating? Mm -hmm. and, and who are you feeding? Which is, you know, the, the, what's, what, what's going on with the gut bugs? Yeah. Um, you have patients who uh, will tell you that when they eat certain types of foods, like sugar, they'll yeah. have, it'll trigger a migraine. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And I, I suspect that some of those foods are actually affecting the gut microbiome in a very rap, rapid fashion yeah. that's causing uh, migraines. Yeah. One of the biggest things I've seen, and I'm, I'm sure you probably noticed this too, is that gluten oh. tops the list when yeah. it comes to migraines. If anybody has a migraine, the simplest thing to do is an elimination diet. Absolutely. To get rid of the most common allergens, like yeah. gluten, dairy, eggs. And I've seen so many people. I had one woman, she was <laughs> married to a mafia don, and she had headaches for 40 years, uh, was incapacitated in bed very often. And it turned out that it was eggs. Yeah. Now, we found this on a food sensitivity test, and uh, that's not to say everybody's migraine is caused by eggs, but hers seemed to be triggered by eggs. She wow. stopped the eggs and her migraines in a way. Yeah. So, I, th I think, you know, everybody's different, like you said. We have to treat the person, not the disease. Absolutely. Uh, I think Thomas, uh, I mean, uh, what is it? Um, uh, uh, William Ulster said that, you know, we should treat the, the person who has the disease, not the disease that the person has. And I think that's that's the mistake we make in medicine. So doing elimination diet, getting food sensitivity testing, checking for gluten, that's all important. Um, the chemical triggers, you know, we talked a little bit about that. Talk more a little bit about some of these chemical triggers that we notice uh, with with um, with migraines. I mean, I mean like exogenous chemicals? Things like, things like aspartame, artificial oh, yeah. sweeteners, food additives, I, I sulfites, for example. I, yeah, I would say that, you know, the, 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 those are basically excitotoxins. These mm. are certain types of foods which can uh, cause excess uh, activity, like monosodium glutamate. You get, yeah. you know, excess glutamine yeah. in, the, in the brain because glutamine gets converted into glutamate, which is an excitotoxin. So yeah. de definitely, uh, there are, you know, those, those uh, types of foods uh, and well, even if you actually, if you give somebody glutamine, which we use a lot in, in, to help with patients, I've had these patients who they'll, they'll, they'll metabolize their glutamine directly into glutamate and you'll get it, taking glutamine. It'll be just like taking MSG. They'll get very you know, yeah. agitated and get a headache. And, and aspartame is bad. I've seen so many patients who oh, aspartame. swig yes. back those diet sodas and 
Big, we uh, have somebody in the, in the White House who does about, I think, about 10 a day. I don't know if he's getting migraines, but he's giving everybody else a headache. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that, that I think you're right. I think we, we, we have to really look at these things. The nitrates that are in, for example, um, deli meats, oh, yes. sulfites yep. that are commonly added to salad bars. You know, I mean, not, no, you're, just keep the vegetables fresh or the dried fruit and yep. wine. Uh, tyramine was in chocolate. Cheese. These are really significant. So getting rid of all the processed food, all those chemicals, super important. Yep. Uh, let's talk about about hormonal factors because these are really common. Yeah. And and often, uh, you know, women we see this whole phenomena of premenstrual migraines. How how do you know if if this is an issue for you with your patients? Oh, well, you just by history. I mean, just, the history will tell you that. And I, I typically uh, will see that those types of patients who have menstrual migraines tend to have problems with estrogen detoxification. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as, as men, you know, our hormones tend to stay relatively stable. We are, they go up in the morning and, but they're, they're pretty stable. Women's hormones, you know, they, they, they go up and down like the tides and, and, and that's normal. That's, that's part of the, the, the menstrual cycle. So when women are menstruating, they have these, some women have great fluctuations in hormones. And when the body is done with those hormones, unless you're pregnant, the body has to detoxify those hormones. And there are certain uh, pathways that help with estrogen detoxification. And when women have problems with those pathways, uh, one, one of the, one of the, uh, the, the, the genes uh, that's important in there is the catechol-O-methyltransferase or COMT gene. Yeah. And typically that gene um, is oftentimes associated with increased sensitivity to pain. It's also uh, associated with increased sensitivity to migraines, seizures, uh, and uh, and headaches. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's it's definitely one of those pathways that you want to support for the detoxification or the methylation of with B vitamins like B six, B twelve, magnesium, magnesium, magnesium. Yeah. And you know, and, and often you know, the classic story that I've seen with these premenstrual migraines is is women get like PMS symptoms. So they get bloating, fluid retention, they get uh, cravings, irritability, breast tenderness, yep. menstrual cramps, uh, and they get heavy bleeding. And these are signs of sort of too much estrogen and not enough progesterone. Yep. Uh, and I remember, <laughs> I remember one patient who had a migraine, literally in my office, and I had a sample tube of topical progesterone that I had been given by the, you know, uh, the, the company that made it. And I literally said, well, let's just try this. And I took the progesterone. I just put a little cream on her arm, rubbed it in, and her headache went away like right there in the office. It was the most striking thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. And I think, you know, we often will prescribe uh, topical progesterone or other yeah. things to help. We'll prescribe dietary changes, help with PMS. It helps help, uh, detoxifying these hormones can be really helpful. Yeah. And also um, using... using um, an overall strategy of, of diet and exercise and stress reduction to balance women's hormones because they think they're totally influenced by diet, Absolutely. even the microbiome. Well, it's interesting you say that because I remember distinctly when I had a patient uh, when I was practicing mainstream medicine who had menstrual migraines and the only thing that worked for her was Xanax. Mm. Now, Xanax is a benzodiazepine which is a, you know, a tranquilizer. Like yeah, like Valium, exactly. And it works on the GABA receptors. And guess what? Progesterone is works yes. on, that, on that system. Right. That's, why, that's, why, that's why progesterone is so powerful. So just, just to recap that, what you're saying is that basically progesterone is women's natural Valium. Exactly. And it works in the brain on these receptors called GABA that Valium works on and makes you relax, which is actually helps women sleep, yeah. calms their nervous system, right. deals with some of this mood fluctuations that happen with high estrogen. Yep. And by the way, our whole lifestyle drives estrogen, right? Sugar, stress, lack of exercise, bad gut microbiome, environmental toxins, 
all these things will drive dairy, for example, drives excess hormone and estrogen production, or being overweight, sugar. Yep. Yep. All those things can be managed easily with, with lifestyle and diet. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some of the nutrients because there, there are some key nutrients that are often low in people who have migraines. Yep. Absolutely. What's the number one nutrient that you would be thinking about? I would say magnesium. Yeah, magnesium. Yeah, magnesium. <laughs> yeah. Now, the interesting thing, now this is, is also another thing where you can sort of connect the dots here is magnesium, which is such a powerful, you know, it's involved in like 500 enzyme pathways in the body is magnesium when you get to a high enough level is actually a calcium channel blocker. And guess yep. what Guess what doctors use to prevent migraines? Calcium channel blockers. It's a natural muscle relaxant. Yeah. It's actually, I remember, you know, when I was an ER doctor, it was one of the things we used. So when none of the drugs worked, we would use IV or intravenous magnesium for migraine patients. Remember that? Absolutely. And you, well, and not only that, but we use uh, in, the, in the ER, we use IV magnesium for uh, heart arrhythmias, uh, you know, uh, life-threatening ones like torsade de point and, and uh, uh, VTAC. Mm -hmm. uh, we also use it for uh, status asthmaticus. Yeah. All right. You use it for preeclampsia. It's a very powerful uh, element. It's a, it's a relax. It's a relaxant. And and what you're saying is funny to me because I remember, you know, when you learn these these ACLS courses, the advanced cardiac life support, and how to run a code and bring people back from death when their heart's not working and they use all these drugs, drug, 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 drug. And the last thing, if nothing else works, they use magnesium. <laughs> Why don't you use it first? Right? <laughs> and then <laughs> like if someone's got heart's not beating right, you give them magnesium and it fixes it. Or if people are coming in in preterm labor or have like this preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure in pregnancy yeah. with seizures, they use IV magnesium. They use yeah, it's, and as asthma, like you said, to relax the lungs. They use IV magnesium. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Even for people who are constipated, they give them milk of magnesia. So exactly. it's, it's kind of doc it's funny. Doctors don't really think about it. And most of us, about forty percent of us, are lower deficient in magnesium. Oh yeah. And I remember this one patient I had, who was a radiation oncology resident back when we were at Canyon Ranch, and she was just debilitated with migraines. She had the worst migraines. She was on narcotics yeah. and Zofran, which is like a chemo drug that's used nausea. for nausea. It was that severe. She could barely work. Yep. And she came to see me and I started asking her questions. And this is how you find things out in functional medicine. You try to connect the dots. So usually you can find out from a story if it's a premenstrual migraine, if it's a food-related migraine, if it's a... This is why you're saying we can actually figure this out as functional medicine doctors. And, and it turned out, you know, I started asking her questions and she had muscle cramps. She had constipation. I said, how often do you go to the bathroom? Are you regular? She goes, yeah, I'm regular. I said, how often do you go? She was like, go every week. I said, that's not regular. She says, regular for me, I go every week. <laughs> you know, severely constipated, muscle cramps, headaches, insomnia, irritability, anxiety, palpitations, sensitive and loud noises. These were all symptoms of low magnesium. Yeah. And so it turned out she needed like, normal dose is 200, 400 milligrams. She needed like 2,000, 3,000 milligrams a day of magnesium. And literally her migraines went away. Yeah. And that's sort of her constipation and all those other symptoms. So it's it's often really often very simple if you know what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, are there other nutrients that you would think of that might be helpful? Because you mentioned mitochondria, and there's a couple of nutrients there that can really yeah, help. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some uh, the the one of the, I think some of the key nutrients are vitamin uh, vitamin B two, uh, right? Yeah, vitamin B six, uh, and also CoQ ten. Those are probably some mm -hmm. of my key uh, mitochondrial uh, nutrients that that really can have an impact, uh, along with magnesium. Yeah. So really, like, t tell us about some of your your cases that that you've had experience with that, that have really kind of change your thinking and have helped you understand. Well, I, well, I had I had a patient uh, who came in and uh, his, his story was that he de first developed migraines starting around at the age of five, which is interesting. 
Okay, wow. so so when, when you have a, a history of somebody who's having headaches, I mean, it's not normal for a five-year-old to have headaches. That makes me sort of think, okay, this person may have a mitochondrial issue, and mm. that may be what's mm. going on uh, mm. early on uh, in their in their story. Um, also, interestingly, the patient noticed in in uh, in, his, in his, when he was telling me his story that he would get the worst headaches on the weekends, and on further asking him. It turned out that on the weekends, he didn't drink coffee. So what he was getting, it was a caffeine withdrawal Draw, headache. headache right. right. Now, this is probably one of those things that, because um, caffeine is a double-edged sword. We actually use caffeine to treat migraines. And if uh, patients take uh, like over-the-counter medications like Excedrin migraine, guess what's one of the major ingredients in there is? Caffeine. Caffeine. In fact, I had a patient, I'll never forget this, it was a woman who had refractory migraines. And it turned out that she actually was getting rebound headaches from daily use of Excedrin migraine. And so she would have to take the Excedrin migraine to prevent the the withdrawal effect from the caffeine. So it was like yeah. a cat chasing a sale. Yeah. So that, that's not great because that's got talent. Well, it's great. It's great for the company because they keep selling it, right? <laughs> liver problems, right? Or, yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. So so this this patient was caffeine sensitive. So some of the treatments you can actually abort a migraine with. Uh, caffeine, but you can also trigger migraine. So it's this sort of a double-edged sword uh, in terms of uh, the, the effect of caffeine. But typically, if I have somebody who's got migraines, I get them off of all alcohol, all caffeine, uh, and give them some magnesium. Just that's that you can shoot from the hip and just do that. And, you know, you can make a, a big, a huge impact. So that was an interesting uh, uh, with the patient. And this particular patient also had a history of developing an egg allergy at age 21. Mm. Which was interesting. Like, why, you know, what's going on? Why did they all of a sudden develop an egg allergy? In addition to that, uh, uh, the patient said that they would develop the itching with eggs and then also had uh, itching with bananas. Oh, wow. Right. Which then sort of makes me think about is there a problem with histamine and histamine detoxification? Uh, there are specific genes uh, in the body that have to do with histamine synthesis and also histamine detoxification. Uh, and you can do some esoteric testing on that to see, because histamine, I definitely think, plays a, a big role in uh, in migraines. So what, what is histamine, Todd? Well, histamine is the drug, uh, or not the drug, it's the compound that is naturally found in the body. And uh, it is a actually a neurotransmitter. Uh, it's also involved in allergies. So when we have uh, you know, uh, spring allergies or uh, uh, allergic rhinitis, we treat that with an antihistamine. Right. All right. Now, this is sort of interesting, and I'll talk about this one. And it's made by your white blood cells. It's right. It's well, it's yeah. It's made by. It's also made by gut bacteria. Mm. It's found in food. Mm. It's it's uh, made by the uh, the white blood cells, uh, specifically the mast cells. cells, exactly. And um, there are there are certain receptors for histamine. So there's I think like, there's like four receptors for histamine. And interestingly, when you block histamine, what happens to you? You fall asleep. You ever, ever take Benadryl, right? Yeah. It, that's that Benadryl puts you to sleep. So histamine actually activates the the body. It wakes the body up. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's actually works as a, as a neurotransmitter. Also, it's involved in allergies and itching and, and things like that. So so uh, histamine is a, is a, one like of these you things. You get hives or things like. You can that. get hives exactly. Yeah. So histamine definitely plays a. It's one of the things that can play a role in in uh, migraine headaches. And uh, with there so is, how do you approach a patient with who's who's got histamine sensitivity? Well, you, you, you. How do you diagnose it first? And then yeah, how do, well, uh, how do you treat it? Uh, his, and, and, well, one of the things that you can do is put somebody on a low histamine diet. Uh, because a lot of the foods that we uh, that we take in are can have we can be high in histamine. Normally, our body will just sort of deal with excess amounts of histamine, but when the gut bacteria is out, like if you have SIBO, 
you'll have problems with histamine uh, breakdown or histamine degradation, or certain bacteria will actually be making high levels of histamine, which in turn can affect uh, uh, the brain and uh, your, your uh, neurological system. Hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen, you know, histamine treatment when you do it in the right patient by both uh, dietary changes. Uh, also, there's all, all kinds of supplements that can help like yep. quercetin, yep. even medication like chromalin and people can take orally. Uh, you know, hist, hist, uh, histes, which is very supplements that help with modifying the histamine response and yep. getting the diet low in histamine. People can really have radical transformations in their health. And it's not something most doctors think about or do. Yep. Uh, and it's tricky to do, but it's, it can be really effective. Yeah. Yeah. And this, in this particular patient, when I did the, the testing on him, lo and behold, he had significant uh, sensitivity to gluten, which he was totally unaware of. And it never really worked with a nutritionist. Sometimes, you know, they would say, well, I worked with a, a dietitian and, you know, they're a regular dietitian yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is it, I mean, they're not really all that uh, helpful. Uh, as, if you're having a, a nutritionist who's trained in functional medicine can really look at the diet beyond just, you know, uh, calories and uh, the macronutrient uh, uh, proteins, fat and carbohydrates is very, very important. So in this particular patient, uh, the organic acid testing showed uh, a higher need for the B vitamins, uh, showed some evidence of dysbiosis, um, which is imbalances of the gut bacteria. Um, had uh, significant gluten sensitivity, some leaky gut uh, on, on testing, had low normal magnesium, it was technically normal, but it was on the low side of normal. So these are all the different things yeah. that, that you can fix. And then on uh, stress testing, had high levels of cortisol. Interesting. It was very, very interesting. Um, and then uh, the other thing that I found on the patient, I'm not really sure because I'm, I'm actually still working on that because I was going to deal with that later, is high levels of mercury. Uh, very high levels of, of uh, inorganic mercury in this particular patient. Yeah. And then the other thing, which is also really interesting, is uh, I did genetic testing. I like to do genetic testing because it can really sort of, it's like lifting the hood on your car. It can sort of tell you, tell you what's going on uh, below the scenes. And the thing about genetics of migraine is there's not really one migraine gene. And we can test for these SNPs and variations. But this particular patient had a variation uh, in the uh, genetics, the polymorphisms of a G-coupled protein, uh, which has to do with serotonin and stress resiliency. Mm -hmm. So this person's genetic makeup was such that he was, le he was more prone towards the, uh, the effects of stress. Uh, it was a particular gene called HTR1A, which is uh, on a, a, the testing that we uh, do with a, a, a DNA mind test. And I found that really sort of interesting. Otherwise, the patient had good genes. They had like good detox genes, good COMT genes, et cetera, yeah. but had problems with stress. And the patient's history was consistent with that, that stress was one of the big triggers for that particular patient. So, um, in a, you know, Stress management is huge for everything that we see in, in patients who walk through the door. I mean, we're all, everybody, everybody is affected by stress. You know, we just, you watch the news and you get stressed, right? <laughs> you know, that's why I don't have a television. <laughs> <I try not> to. <laughs> exactly. And, and so anything that we can do to, to help people to uh, manage and modulate and detoxify the stress goes a long, long way. Huge, huge, huge. I think that's right. But, you know, this case brings up something really important about functional medicine because you listed a whole litany of things. It was it wasn't just yeah. magnesium, it wasn't just the gut, it wasn't just histamine, it wasn't just this and that. It was a lot of different things. Exactly. And, and, and you know, functional medicine is really about being a medical detective and looking for all the various factors. Because traditional medicine is, okay, you have this one disease that you treat with one drug, instead of saying, oh, where are all the imbalances in the system? Let me correct all those. Because if you correct two out of six, 
patient might get a little better, but not really. Right. You have to deal with all six. Exactly. And I think that's really the beauty of functional medicine. We're not treating the disease, we're treating the patient and all their unique variations in their story. And there are no two people who are the same. So when someone comes with a migraine, it's a blank slate. Then I have to figure out what kind of migraine and what are the various factors. And is it hormonal? Is it magnesium? Is it the gut? Is it the mitochondria? Is it is it uh, food additives? And is it histamine? And, and maybe all of them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so this is really what's so beautiful about our approach here at the Ultra Wellness Center, uh, which, by the way, now uh, during COVID, we're taking all virtual patients so we can see people from anywhere in the world. You don't have to schlep all the way here. Um, and, it, and and we you know we have an incredible team of physicians here and physicians assistant, nutritionists. Uh, we've all been doing this for close to 30 years now, <laughs> which is scary to say, but I mean, and we're still learning and we're still learning. And it's just, and you know, you know, you, you know, that's the thing about functional medicine. It's just, it's constantly pushes you to discover and learn because yeah. you're not just learning a rote approach to this diagnosis. Like, like that patient who had the migraine with all the magnesium deficiency and all those other symptoms, she was at the Mayo Clinic. She saw the top doctors there. She went around all the headache clinics in the world. She, I mean, she saw everybody yeah. did everything. And all they cared about was her headache. They didn't want to know about her constipation or her muscle cramps right. or her irritability or her insomnia or any of that. Or her stress being married to a mafia don. <laughs> well, no, that was at somebody else. That was that was not the doctor. That was somebody else. Uh, it was one of the good fellas. And and so it's really it's really important for people to understand we're suffering out there from headaches and even regular headaches can respond to this yeah. as well. Uh, but, you know, migraines are the most severe and, and disabling kind of headaches. And I, I, just, it, 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 I just remember this patient I saw was a 24-year-old young woman who was a nurse who wanted to become a nurse practitioner, brilliant young woman who was in bed because she had vestibular migraines, which oh, is yeah. a certain kind of migraine that makes you not only have a headache and be nauseous, but like the room spins around, like when you're on your beach and you spin around in circles so you can't stand up anymore. It's like that. And she was just miserable. Now, she got every treatment for the migraines, every kind of headache drugs, every neurologist, nothing worked. So I started asking her about like other stuff. Well, she was very depressed. She was anxious. She had uh, severe bloating. She had acne. She had fluid retention. She wow. had all these other wow. symptoms. And it turned out she had really severe SIBO or bacterial overgrowth and severe food sensitivities, as well as a bunch of other stuff and magnesium and this yep. and that. And I literally just really focused on treating her gut and her food sensitivities and supporting her a little bit of magnesium and some other things. And literally within a very short time, within six weeks, she not only like had all her migraines go away, yeah. not only did she lose 20 pounds, but her depression, anxiety and everything else went away. Yeah. And the gut can lead to all that stuff. So it's so unfortunate that we don't, we don't think in this comprehensive way with traditional medicine because so many people suffer unnecessarily. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that because it reminds me, um, I, I've actually, um, I think I've seen it in a couple of cases, is there are some patients who have H. pylori, which is a specific bacteria. Mm. And H. pylori, if you clear H. pylori in some uh, migraine patients, their migraines go away, which is sort of very, very interesting. Uh, it doesn't happen in everyone, but if you do the testing for uh, H. pylori and if you find it and a patient's got migraine, you, you go ahead and treat it and it can make a big difference. Yeah. So I, I just think you're right, Todd. I mean, it's it's uh, it's really just spending the time to ask the right questions, to do the right kinds of tests. So what are the kind of top tests that you might think you want to 
Well, like we said, checking for uh, magnesium and specifically red blood cell magnesium because uh, magnesium needs to be the intracellular form. So a lot of times uh, patients are tested for regular magnesium. It's the RBC magnesium is what you really should check for. And then we'll do the testing for uh, gluten sensitivity. The uh, Cyrex-3 is my uh, favorite. And then we'll also do uh, testing for in increased intestinal permeability. Uh, organic acids, uh, gut microbiome testing uh, can be helpful. Uh, I mentioned genetic testing, but there really is um, the, the genetics play a smaller role, but it's an interesting because there really is no one gene for migraines. The only thing I would t tend to say is that if you um, if you're suspicious for mitochondrial issues, checking for mitochondrial function um, uh, that can be helpful. That can be very uh, hormonal helpful. testing. Yeah, hormonal testing. Man. Exactly. Hormonal yeah, testing. So we have a lot of tricks and tests that you wouldn't necessarily see at a regular doctor's office to help us sort through what's going on. Cortisol, testing, cortisol, testing, cortisol testing, testing. Exactly. Cortisol testing. Yeah. Yeah. Hormone testing. Nutritional Absolutely. testing. Absolutely. Uh, food sensitivity testing. I mean, it's it's so it's so so important. So I I feel like when I see a migraine patient, I'm so happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, slam dunk. This is easy, you know. And they're going to be so happy and make yeah. me look good. But it really isn't. It really isn't that we're that smart. It's just that we're looking through a different lens that allows us to see the problem in a unique way. That's individual to that patient and, exactly and personalized medicine it's 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 the epitome of personalized medicine because uh, there are probably no two migraine patients that are, that i will treat the same they're they're all unique and i'll do a little a, you know there's a sort of a, a basket of things that you'll do but you tweak that to that individual patient based upon their history their testing and everything else and that's the fun part about it so what, what's like if you're just saying you know to somebody who's listening and they're like well i don't really any functional medicine doctors, I, I want to just try some stuff on my own. What would be like the top few things you would tell a patient to try? Let's say, you know, your cousin had migraines and they didn't want to come in and see you. What, what would you tell them? Well, first thing is uh, get good sleep. Most people are sleep deprived and, and actually because lack of sleep is a stressor. And we talked about stress being a big trigger for migraines. So getting into a good sleep wake cycle uh, modulating and uh, detoxifying stress, meditation, uh, whatever uh, different uh, forms that you use for uh, 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 excuse me, uh, relaxation. For relaxation, exactly. Uh, adding magnesium, and then the simple dietary changes. You know, gluten, sugar, dairy. Those are the big three. If you yeah. remove those from a patient's diet, it makes it can make a huge difference. Uh, I think those are probably some of the key things that you can do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's so simple. Just clean up your diet, gluten, dairy, sugar, processed food, all the additives, chemicals. Yeah, like, right. They can't, right. They, and, and you're absolutely right because uh, the, the excitotoxins, a lot of those things that are added to foods that you may not even be aware of, um, you know, the best thing to do is buy food that doesn't have labels on it, right? That's, there you go. Right, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> an avocado doesn't have a nutrition facts label or an ingredient list. It's right. just an avocado, right? Right, right. Uh, I agree. So, you know, that's something people can try. An elimination diet, you know, we we have something called the 10-day reset, which is really easy to do. Uh, you can go to getpharmacy with an F.com. That is is a really simple approach to just cleaning up your diet for a week or 10 days. And often you'll know very quickly. Yeah. I mean, if your migraines are two or three times a month, you might have to do it longer. But if you get regular migraines every week or more, you'll see a difference. Magnesium's super slam yeah. dunk, easy thing to do. Yeah. Getting well, stress and, reduction in sleep, and, so easy. And, and the other thing is, is that oftentimes for, pay, 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 for some people who have really bad migraines, you don't 
I, sometimes, you, you know, it's not as though they're never going to have a migraine the rest of their life. But when they, if they do get a migraine, it doesn't, it's not disabling. It might be very infrequently. And if they get it again, it's very mild and it may be triggered by something, but it's really nowhere near as bad as when they first started. Right. So it's not like I'm going to cure your migraines. This individual may be susceptible to having migraines. For sure. And when you make all these changes, their life is much better because they cannot function. And if they get a migraine, it's not disabling. It's mild. It's infrequent. It's not a big deal. And then, and then they learn what are the triggers for them. Absolutely. And they can avoid them. Yeah. 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 I, I, interesting. Have you ever had a migraine? I have not. I've had some he- headaches, but I've never had a migraine. Thank God. It's it's interesting. It's not I, fun, I can yeah, imagine. Yeah. I, I, I've, I very rarely get a, get a headache and I've never had a migraine. However, when I was working at Canyon Ranch, there was one time, it was right before lunch, I all of a sudden had these jagged sparkling lines in my field of vision. Yeah. And I'm like, where does this I'm come from? Having a stroke. I, what's going on? Right. So I was actually having because migraines. You can have an aura with a migraine. An aura is like what you get before you get a migraine. And for whatever reason, it was I only had it once. I had a migraine aura, and I never, I didn't get a headache, but I knew exactly what it was. And I said, "Oh, this is interesting. Now I know what the patients are experiencing yeah, yeah, before they yeah, get a migraine." Yeah, yeah. And I had it once. Didn't have a headache. Never had it again. Don't ask me why I had it. You know, I could have been, yeah. maybe I was, you know, low in blood sugar. Or I don't know, stressed out. Or I don't know what, but it, I, I was just sort of sitting there and I was in it. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a good experience because now I can understand what it's like for a person to, uh, yeah. you know, have, have a migraine aura. Well, if you've been listening to this podcast and you've had headaches or migraines, um, don't fret because following these simple ideas can have a profound effect. If you get stuck and you need more help, we're here at the Ultra Wellness Center to help you. Just go to ultrawellnesscenter.com. We can see you virtually. And it really, sometimes it's a bit of a detective job, but uh, simple things to try, like we said, diet, elimination diets, magnesium, sleep, stress reduction, certainly yeah. a place to start. Uh, it, it is something that um, it causes so much suffering. I mean, 10 million people have it. Probably collectively, it costs $50 billion a year to society. It's a big deal. And, yeah. uh, and and some things are hard to deal with. If you have certain cancers, that's really tough. Uh, but migraines are easy slam dunk for functional medicine. So if you have a migraine, I hope you never have to happen again after listening to this. <laughs> and exactly. follow the instructions we gave. And if you love this podcast, uh, we'd love you to share with your friends and family on social media. We'd love you to leave a comment. Share your experiences about having migraines and what's worked for you. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time on The Doctor's Pharmacy. All right. Thanks, Mark. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Hyman. Thanks for tuning into The Doctor's Pharmacy. I hope you're loving this podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do and introducing you to all the experts that I know and I love and that I've learned so much from. And I want to tell you about something else I'm doing, which is called Mark's Picks. It's my weekly newsletter. And in it, I share my favorite stuff from foods to supplements to gadgets to tools to enhance your health. It's all the cool stuff that I use and that my team uses to optimize and enhance our health. And I'd love you to sign up for the weekly newsletter. I'll only send it to you once a week on Fridays. Nothing else, I promise. And all you have to do is go to drhyman.com forward slash picks to sign up. That's drhyman.com forward slash picks, P-I-C-K-S, and sign up for the newsletter and I'll share with you my favorite stuff that I use to enhance my health and get healthier and better and live younger, longer. Now back to this week's episode. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. 
Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional medicine practitioner, you can visit ifm.org and search their Find a Practitioner database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, who's a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.